your no is simultaneously a yes to something else. Your yes is simultaneously a no to everything else. And so don't be afraid to say no on what's not in alignment because the thing that you would say yes to that isn't in alignment is going to take up energetic bandwidth and space in your life that would bring other opportunities that would be even more aligned for you. But you have to say no to the things that aren't there. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Today's guest is Adam Roa. He's an artist, poet, coach, and podcast host. I learned so much in this episode as Adam opens up about his journey as a spiritual coach and leader. Some things we talk about are not attaching your gratitude to other people's misfortune, his awesome ability to manifest how awareness is everything and always the first step, the importance of saying yes to things that align with you and no to things that don't, and an ayahuasca ceremony where he was shown he'd get a million-dollar client, which then happened five days later. If you are at any point of your spiritual journey, then this episode is for you. All right, everybody. I want to welcome Adam Roa to the podcast. Thank you for being here, buddy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for, for having me and dealing with my schedule changes and all of the things. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good. And you know, it, it, in moments like that, it, it helps me realize that like, I'm, in a good, I'm in a good place and I'm in a good space, right? Because when things don't go according to plan, it's not like aggravation. It's just, it is what it is. And it's just flow. It's just being in the moment. And I'm just so grateful to have you here. And to have you be a guest on this podcast that it just, it went the way that it went and it's, it's all good. It's always love. You know? I try, I try, I always trust that, you know, things are uh, working out for us and in 
the direction that we desire to go ultimately. And so the fact that this is like the third time that we've scheduled makes me think that this is this was when it was meant to happen. You know, I just went on an epic hike with my dog and a run. I'm I'm feeling juiced up. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> Dude, um, you know, every single day I'm working on shifting to being like everything is a gift. Mm. Right. So if you had to can or reschedule last second, it's like, all right, where's the there's a gift here. You know, mm-hmm. what can come from this? And uh, I feel the same exact way. It's like, it was just meant to be today. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, man. I wanted to ask you, Adam, I saw you did a post uh, the other day or like pretty recently about gratitude. And I am just a massive fan of gratitude. And I really liked your perspective uh, on this. You had talked about like leveling up your gratitude mm-hmm. and right, not comparing to other people, because this is something that I've definitely done in the past, right? So if I say like, I'm grateful I have a bed to sleep in, I'm grateful that I have food. A lot of the times it's like, well, I'm grateful I have food because a lot of people don't have food. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful I have a bed to sleep on because a lot of people don't have that. And can I I just want to be really honest. The reason why I've done that in the past and kind of thrown at that comparison is for like validation for that, for me to be grateful for that thing. Like Mm -hmm. sleeping on a bed, if someone doesn't have the ability to sleep on a bed, it's not really something I should be grateful for. It's not really worth the time to spend and, and feel gratitude for unless I think, well, somebody else doesn't have that. So, you know, let me be grateful that I have it. But in reality, we just, and you talked about that too. It's just being grateful for those things, not comparing it to anything else, just finding joy and happiness in it without any sort of comparison. And I love how you talked about that. Yeah. I was just, you know, uh, moving into this home in Laguna and I'm very, very blessed to, 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 uh, be here for however long I wind up here. And it's got this incredible ocean view from three different levels of the home. And, uh, I'm sitting here and just so grateful. And, I was was sitting with what is gratitude? You know, where does gratitude come from? Why am I so grateful because I have this ocean view? Would I be grateful just for having a roof over my head? What 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 where is the gratitude? Where are those lines? How can I be more grateful? Because gratitude is one of the secrets of the universe, right? Yes. When you when you are in a state of gratitude, you are in a state of expansion. You are in a state where your mind is looking for things to be grateful for. And what that means is your mind is looking for ways for you to connect, because that's what gratitude is. Like gratitude is an opportunity for you to really become present with your connection to things. And so when you're walking through the world looking for connection, you're going to experience more of it. And not just between people, but connection to your abundance, connection to all of the things that you could be more grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, pondering as I often do about how most people's gratitude is is they're raised to think of gratitude from a space of they have something that others don't. Be grateful you have food on your plate. There are people who are starving. Be don't complain about you know the clothes that you're wearing. There are some people who don't get new clothes. And I while that is in some ways it to me it's like level one gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I, I'm not condemning it. It's a great way to start to to easily step into the feeling of gratitude of, wow, when you see someone homeless on the street, you immediately could feel, you know, compassion, empathy, feel sorry, pity maybe, but 
also, wow, I'm so grateful that's not me. And so there is that initial stage of gratitude. I think the the next level up on that is, can I be grateful for the roof over my head, the food on my plate, just in a vacuum? If I didn't have any comparison to someone who had less than me, could I feel the depth of gratitude just because it's here? Because I think that if ultimately what we are transitioning out of, if we want to, whatever words we want to put around it, man, like some people are saying it's the going from 3D to 5D. Some people are, you know, whatever that unity consciousness is, ultimately it's going to require us to move out of a zero sum game where there has to be a winner and a loser. There, there, that's based on the idea of a scarcity of resources and that if you have something, it means there's less for me to have. And if we are going to shift out of that, it's very, mm-hmm. very important for us to not tie our gratitude to a zero sum game. So that's, that's where that post on Instagram came from. I, I love that, man. And that really is something that I've thought before. And when I've said that, that I'm grateful for this because someone doesn't have it, it's always felt weird. There's always been like a weird energy shift in my body that like just didn't align and like didn't feel right. And thank you for your words because you helped even myself get clarification on the actual feelings that I was having at that moment and why that didn't actually feel right within who I am. Yeah. And, and again, I think it's a stepping stone. It's, yeah. it's the fact that you were in a space and then you felt gratitude is, is a great thing. That's a, that's a step. And um, then recognizing, okay, I don't want to require someone to have less than me in order for me to feel that gratitude is really important. And so I think that one of the best hacks that I've found to getting into a state of gratitude that's um, not tied or tethered to, to anyone else is to get into our bodies, to get into our senses. So when you have that plate of food in front of you, instead of comparing it to someone else having food or not, you actually just really smell the food. You really taste the food. You become present with that. I have this blanket that I'm looking at in front of me that I just love so damn much. It's so soft. And I don't get on that blanket and think there are some people who don't have blankets. I actually just go, this is so soft. I love it so much. And so I think getting into the body and into the senses is almost like a hack into how we can find gratitude for life without it needing to be tied or tethered to anything. Exactly. And I... I think that's so true too, right? Because when you're feeling the gratitude of something just because it is what it is and you love that blanket because it makes you feel good without tying it to anything else, you're right. It elevates your gratitude. You really feel it more. There's no lack involved with it because someone else doesn't have it. You're just feeling amazing and feeling the gratitude for that thing, for that person, for the blanket, for the food, whatever it may be. And it really does. It lifts that sensation, I feel like, in the moment. It makes you so super present in the gratitude instead of your mind drifting somewhere else. Well, someone else doesn't have it. So now let me feel good that I have it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it, all of our emotions, every single one from gratitude, anger, sadness, joy, ecstasy, all of our feelings and emotions only ever happen in the present moment. Mm. Ever. Mm. Ever. Ever. You literally cannot have an emotion in the future or the past. You you can't actually experience the future or the past. You are literally, you can, all those people who say, oh yeah, I'm astral projecting out into the future, whatever. It's like, cool, you're doing that in the present. Like that's what you're, you're experiencing a feeling of the future in the present. Yeah. So there's no way to escape the fact that it all happens in the present. And so all of the secrets to 
feeling more gratitude or anything we want to feel, all of the secrets of manifestation, all of the secrets of, of, of the universe happen by deepening our connection to the present moment. That's yes. it. So that's the danger that we're in right now in today's society where there are so many things that are disconnecting people from the present moment and making it harder for people to truly become present in the moment by taking them out of their bodies and putting them into, quite honestly, a digital world. And so the more that you're on... Bro, if I spend more than 10 minutes on Instagram, and I do regularly, if I'm scrolling on Instagram and going to things and I get hit that point where I know I'm kind of just like, aimlessly scrolling or something, it's only a matter of time before I start to feel really shitty. I, it, I never feel great mm-hmm. if I spend more than like five to 10 minutes on Instagram. I always feel worse. I feel my energy drain. I feel myself get cranky. I feel myself um, just shift. And it's, it's never in the direction that I'd like to shift. However, Every single time I turn on music and dance, every single time I get into my body and I like stretch and move, every single time I cuddle my dog, I always feel better. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that complicated, to be honest. We are like all of these people. It's crazy because I have earned most of my living um, since 2013 as a quote unquote life coach, right? Coaching one-on-one leading retreats, group programs, et cetera. And the, the funny thing about it is there's a whole industry my, that I'm a part of that profits, that, that makes money from helping people to, to love their life more and all these and things. And yet the signs of how to do it are all around us and they're not that complicated and they're all free. <laughs> Bro, I want to ask you, what are, because I, you're right, everything is happening now. Everything is in the present, right? And so many of the times we're not here. We're in the future feeling anxiety about something that's coming up or thinking about the past and why didn't it go that way or a million other things that take us out of the present and the now. And one of my favorite books ever is Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. It is phenomenal. And um, so I just want to ask you to maybe help the listeners. What are, what are certain things that we can do to help bring us back to the present? Breathe. Mm. Step one, breathe always. Breath, breath is your gateway to everything. This journey of life collectively that we are sharing begins and ends with your breath. Really want everyone listening to this to let that sink in. This journey begins and ends with your breath. There is literally nothing more important than your breath because your journey did not start until the first breath and it will not end until the last one. And so the... If you ever, I, I, this, when I started on my spiritual path, had my spiritual awakening and, and was really looking at this, this was one of the number one things that I started to do, which was truly in moments of conversation with people or when I was out in public or on my own, just through life, I would start to breathe more consciously whenever I felt something um, moving in me. So we're having a conversation and you ask me a question that I don't necessarily have an immediate answer to. And and it's like a deep question. I go, 
You know what? And I take that moment. Mm. When my partner um, that I was with for 10 years, where going through that journey of spiritual awakening together um, and starting to dive into the healing and the personal development, and that can be quite triggering. And so when something would be said that would trigger me, go, okay. And then take a moment before responding. When I'm out in public now, today, when I'm out in public and I have those moments of feeling really out of place, feeling socially anxious or feeling that there's something, um, you know, I'm, I'm not fitting in. I, I feel uncomfortable in my skin, whatever it is. What do I do? I stop and I just take a few deep breaths. That that's breath is the secret and it's the easiest thing. It's completely free. It's your superpower as you're seeing more and more as people dive into the, the science of breath and breath work and, and, um, Wim Hof breathing and just what is possible for people to heal their bodies just using breath. And I think that if I had to just start anybody anywhere, it would be there. Just start taking intentional breaths whenever you feel something in your system, uncomfortable or on the other end of the spectrum, if you're feeling great, just take a moment and breathe it in. Like breathe that in deep into your soul and, and savor in that feeling and let your breath spread it through your body. Love that, man. Thank you for that. And uh, something I want to ask too. So even like taking... Pulling like even a, a, another layer back because I think that's crucial. I think taking a moment and, and taking a breath is huge. But before I feel like we can take that breath, we need to be mindful. We need to kind of understand or in that moment, be mindful to know that we're kind of off the tracks or to be aware that we are getting anxious or we are getting really angry. Because me in, in, the, in the past part of my life, there was no mindfulness. Like you could have told me to breathe, but I wouldn't have been able to in those moments because I used to have a crazy temper. And if that temper came, there was no mindfulness or consciousness in that moment to say, hey, Justin, it is now time to breathe before you say something and before you take that next step. So how also to, how can people become mindful? How can people, you know, what are the things that people can do for themselves in order to, in that moment, take that moment and say, okay, I need to breathe right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my the the quote that that I say all the time um, is awareness gives us choice. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I say that all the time. It is it is the key component. If you want to know what step one is of shifting your life in any way, shape, or form, you need to have awareness of the thing. Meaning, I'm just aware that I want to shift something. Just even that. Yeah, I'm aware that this is in the way. I'm aware of a possibility for my life that I wasn't previously aware of. This is one of the things that gets taken for granted so much and I see get translated into somewhat of a spiritual elitism uh, from the woke quote unquote community where um, there's this idea of manifestation where we are creating our reality, all our choices are ours, et cetera, et cetera. And then because of that underlying belief system that, that people are, are adopting and working through, when they see someone that's struggling, when they see someone that's whatever they're saying, well, you, they're choosing that. They're just not choosing out of it. They, are, um, they have this opportunity to do something different. They're just not 
choosing it and and taking this kind of somewhat elitist view of it. And the truth is, I like. Let me give you a real world example. I went to uh, Tanzania on uh, with a trip with. Um, my friend's nonprofit, and we were building water wells in these little villages in the middle of nowhere. These are children uh, who have never seen their own reflection in anything other than dirty water. No mirror, no cell phone, no nothing. And if you were to try and tell those kids about, like, why aren't you choosing to study this? Like, why aren't you choosing to study uh, agriculture or something, right? Um, they don't even have awareness that that exists. There's no, they literally don't have, when, the, you should have seen it, bro. When I pulled out my iPhone and we're doing, uh, turn the camera on selfie mode and we can do like slow-mo or whatever. And the kids are going crazy or like an Instagram filter on their face. And it's just blowing their minds. Mm -hmm. In that moment, they have expanded what they know is possible on the planet and in the world. They have a different awareness for better or for worse. Cause I, there's, I have more to this story that I could share around. Like, I'm not sure it's better that they do it, uh, mm -hmm. necessarily because the awareness of what, what they don't have, I saw cause a bit of behavior like greediness and, and, and stuff that is what is prevalent in Western society where we see all the social media of people driving their Bugattis and their mansions and taking their trips. And all of a sudden we have awareness of other people's lives that is causing us to go into this comparison mode and which is, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. And so ultimately with awareness being that first step, you're calling it mindfulness, call it awareness, whatever it is, but that's how do you get that? You get that through exposure to new experiences and you get that through things like this podcast that I literally have two podcasts, the deep dive and you're too much. I have two podcasts because I believe so much in the medium of podcasting for this very reason, go and listen to a podcast and learn something that changes the level of awareness you have about stuff. And then boom, you now have choices that you can make. You're not changed. This is one of the biggest things I, I got to get across to people. So many people go to a ayahuasca ceremony or a Tony Robbins retreat and they go, oh my God, I realized that I have these intimacy issues because my dad never said I love you. And I was always just trying to get his attention or his affection and it just never came. And so now I have all these intimacy and like, I just such a mind blowing realization. It's like, great, awesome. You're not changed. You're not changed. You got awareness. Yeah, yeah. You got that, that you're now mindful of something that you didn't have before. But if you just keep making the same choices, you're just going to repeat the same patterns. You will not change until you make new choices in your life. And so really what this game of personal development is, simply put from my perspective and how I coach my clients, is taking the length of time between Oh, from unconscious to conscious, from becoming aware of something, decreasing the amount of times that that takes, and then decreasing the amount of time it takes for you to have the awareness to actually changing. 
That process is personal development so that when you learn, oh, I'm going to start to take these breaths when I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to realize that. You may not do that for the next 10 days, but then in one instance, you do it and you're like, oh, here's this moment. I'm going to take that breath. Awesome. It took you 10 days to actually implement a new choice. And guess what? It may have taken you 35 years to actually get the awareness So to go from 35 years of not even being aware of it to 10 days to actually implement it, that's pretty freaking great. And so then if it only took you eight days the next time to remember it, you're making improvement and getting it down to the point where now literally in the moment, it's, it's embodied because I don't have to think about it. Um, But that started with having to be really mindful of it and do it consciously. Dude, I love that. Awareness is everything. You don't know something is happening unless you're aware of it. You can't make a change or a shift or, or do anything unless you're first aware of it. So I, that is absolutely the first step. And Adam, it is something too I notice in myself where I am kind of recalibrating and, and really, really being aware of my own awareness. You know what I mean? Like I am realizing more and more that that distance in between my awareness is becoming less and less and less. That's it, man. That's the journey. That's the journey. And have you read The Untethered Soul? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great book about this um, yeah. for anyone who's interested by Michael Singer. And ultimately, it's it's when you look at the journey of personal development, I think it's it's valuable for you to make sure that you have an idea of why you're doing it. Hmm. Why are you doing it? What is What do you think is the purpose? And so it, there is no end to it. <laughs> But I do think that having the perspective that I do has helped me just ground it into something very practical and very uh, applicable to life. And, yeah. and that's it. If you, can, if you can have your wound of abandonment show up, be aware of it because of all of the books that you read and podcasts you listen to, and then make a new choice in the moment of not pulling away and shutting down your heart previously like you used to. And you can do that all in split seconds or within a few minutes or a few conscious breaths. You've just completely shifted your life and the potential for your life from where you were when you were shutting down your heart, pulling away and, and pushing people away because you had no idea that you had these abandonment wounds as an example. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was a good example too with the Tony Robbins thing. They come back from those now knowing that they had this issue prior and that's literally just the first step. Like you just, you just started. And I think that's important for people to understand and realize too. It's not like, okay, I know this now it's over. I figured it out. It's like, now you're just aware. And now the work actually comes in and you can take Mm -hmm. those steps forward. That's the process of integration. And that's, that's the piece that's missing so much because I think in Western society, it's bigger, faster, stronger right here, right now. And there's this idea um, of we want it as fast as possible uh, and as a result of that, so I just led, I have a group program called One Infinity and uh, we, I co-lead that with my friend Gerard Adams and we brought our group down to Peru to sit three ayahuasca ceremonies um, and had this beautiful opportunity to make the medicine ourselves with the shamans and, and it was just so incredible. And um, the retreat, we could have finished in like, 
five or six days, but it became near like a 10 day retreat because the integration is a non-negotiable for me. And so I'm not even going to lead a program mm-hmm. or a retreat that doesn't provide that opportunity. So we actually went into the jungle, sat these, and then flew to another part of Peru, Sacred Valley, um, where we rented out this retreat center and spent three days just integrating together and helping people process. And then, you know, we still have calls every month just to make sure that that, that integration process is happening because there's a... Um, the number of people that go and do something like an ayahuasca ceremony on Friday and Saturday night, and then are back to work on Monday with no one to help guide them through an integration process, thinking that somehow they're just going to shift their life by, by like willpower without realizing how powerful the unconscious mind and the external environment that they've built for the last 30 years of their life is actually pulling them into the old version of who they've been. Understanding that process of integration is really, really crucial. And I think um, in many ways, if you're not actively and consciously integrating your experiences, whether it's ayahuasca or Tony Robbins or a breath work or a bad date, um, I literally had to integrate something this past weekend, which was this like awkward kind of bad date experience. And I went, wow, this is bringing up a lot for me. And I've been integrating that this week that I've actually been journaling about it and learning about it and wondering what that came came through. And I had talked to two different friends about it and actually last night had a big breakthrough around it. And that process of integrating is actually what, I mean, that's all of life. We, we assign it to really big uh, events, but it can be as small as stubbing your toe, you know, and just, okay, let me just take a, a few minutes to integrate this experience, the pain in my body. And also, why did that happen? Was I not being mindful with my movement? Was I whatever? Do I feel like there's a deeper message here? And just like giving the space for that. You can do that all the time with everything. That's awesome. I have a really, really good friend who just started doing work in that and integrating people after the ayahuasca experience. Right. So instead of having the experience having all these potential breakthroughs and these awakening moments, and then just going back into your daily life, falling right back into place of exactly where you were, uh, like literally reliving your past over and over again. I think it's so incredible uh, that that is like new work that she's doing. And I think it's really cool that you brought that up right now too, of how important that is. Because you can have those beautiful awakening experiences, but if two days later you fall right back into the same routine, you don't integrate that experience into the now and you just keep reliving your past, it's almost like what was the point of having the experience in the first place? Mm-hmm. 100%. Otherwise, I mean, it is, it is just spiritual masturbation. Wow, true. Dude, and I want to ask you this too. Before you had mentioned, and you know, I checked out a lot of your stuff online too, um, you had mentioned before that you know, we are really constantly creating our own reality. And I thought that was really imperative to bring that up, that... When you see somebody where you're like, well, that's their choice. They're making that intentionally. It's like not always, right? When people aren't aware, they don't even know really the choice that they're making. But in us creating our own reality, how, like, just in helping people, how do we take conscious control over that creation process, right? Like no matter if we know it or not, we're creating our reality, right? So it's like, obviously it's better to be intentional and to be more aware of what's happening. So when that manifestation comes, we're more aware of it. We've created it because it's going to come anyway. 
So how, how can we help people? How can people do that? Take conscious control over that creation process. So this is right now, it's interesting that you're asking me this because my belief system around creating our reality is shifting as we speak. Yes. Um, at, at the leading edge of my consciousness and my ex- experience and, and conversations I'm having with people into um, a belief that it's predestined to like, I actually am starting to believe more and more. I'm probably now more, actually more than half of me. So let's say 75% (laughs) believing in, in predestined, what you call fate um, for a number of reasons, which I could go into depending on how deeply esoteric that you want to get. However, what I will say is that it doesn't change the mechanics of manifestation within this. So, so how I've believed and to have manifested crazy experiences in in my life. So, um, to give people certain examples, you know, um, I I was literally told in a ceremony that I would have I would be paid a million dollars for one coaching contract, um, and it would happen by the end of the week. And uh, five days later, I had a million dollars transferred to me all upfront in one lump sum for a one year coaching contract, um, making like how many life coaches get paid a million dollars to coach someone, right? It's uh, that manifestation and, and a variety of other things that in my life that are are really crazy that a lot of my friends just joke about um, because of how just insane my manifestations have been. And I believe there are mechanics to how we do that. I believe that there is actually algorithms of of understanding so that you can more deeply um, become a conscious creator of your reality. And this is what I teach essentially when, when I'm working with clients more deeply on a, on a one-on-one level, because it's very nuanced. It's simple on a like macro level, but uh, it's so individualized. Um, and so I, there is only so deep. I'm trying to figure out how deep I can go here uh, with the time we have. But what I'll say is this, that you are manifesting what you want constantly, every moment. You can't actually avoid that. And the universe is responding to you constantly, always. And so the universe is trying to give you what you're asking for always. And one of two things happens when you say, I want, let's say that you said, I want a million dollars. Okay. This is just easy example because everyone says it. (laughs) I want a million dollars. Okay. One of two things happens. One, you're a match to it. You're actually a vibrational match to that reality and therefore it happens like for me in five days or you're not yet a vibrational match to it and the universe is going to show you the ways you're not a match to it so that in co-creation with the universe you can make the necessary shifts to become a match to it and the universe can give it to you Either way, in order for you to get to where you've said you want to go, a million dollars, you will need to take some steps. And the universe is going to basically say, here's the path. And for most people, that 
that path is where they get discouraged and they get frustrated and they think it's not working and their manifestation yeah. is not working and all these things. When in reality, all that's happening is the universe said, okay, here's the path to your million dollars. You need to let go of the part of you that has too much scarcity. You need to let go of this part of you that feels like you're not worthy. You need to let go of the part of you that feels like you need to work really hard in order to make a million dollars. All of these various belief systems that you are holding actually have to be removed in order for it to happen. Imagine if I had held on to the belief that says taking a million dollars takes forever, like takes yeah. forever to make. There's no way that I would be a match to making a million dollars in five days if I'm holding that belief. So at some point in my journey, I needed to release that belief and believe that making money could be easy. That, that needed to be a part of my experience in order to even be a match to receive the idea that I could manifest something like that that quickly. And so ultimately where people get, get um, stuck is that your unconscious mind is is processing 95% of your given experience, right? And so your unconscious mind is in many ways what is driving the vast majority of your reality in any given moment. And your unconscious mind is where you're harboring all those fears, doubts, insecurities, limiting beliefs that were taken on since childhood or wherever. And if you are not aware of them and not shifting them, they are preventing you from calling in the things that you want to call in. And so the process of manifestation is a process of saying, I want this thing. There's awareness. I want this thing. Great. Now the universe says, hey, this is in the way. So you need to learn how to be able to spot that. And that's again, awareness. And then you need to understand the tools of how to now take action to shift the thing you just became aware of. And that's where ultimately when you come down to like coaching, what is coaching, right? We've talked about, I just got paid a million dollars for, for a coaching contract. Okay. Why? What is that? A good coach is able to spot patterns that you can't spot. This entire reality is, is algorithmic. We, and so as we become more conscious, all that's happening is we're able to spot patterns that we previously couldn't see. We can see more patterns in reality. So a good coach is going to be able to see patterns in you, Justin, that you can't see in yourself. Great. A great coach is someone who's going to be able to spot those patterns and have the appropriate tools to give you in order for you to be able to shift those things. A freaking fantastic coach. The top level is someone who's going to be able to spot those things, have the tools, and know how to communicate it to you in a way in which you are actually the one who dis discovers it. They're able to help you discover it because you discovering it is creating the neurological pathways in your mind where it becomes embodied much more quickly. And you're going to be able to spot it in your reality easier. And that is a much more elevated and faster way to shift than to have to require someone who spots it for you. Wow. All right. The million dollar contract real quick, Adam. You said you, you it was in an ayahuasca ceremony where that was told to or... Yeah, I went through an 18-month gauntlet of initiations, spiritual and physical and, and all kinds of things um, around money, wealth, um, 
my own scarcity, all of these sorts of things for about 18 months. And then at the end of those 18 months in an ayahuasca ceremony, I was told um, that it would happen. The, uh, so the 18 month thing, was that a program you signed up for? Or was that just your own thing that you worked through? What was that? My like? own curriculum by moving uh, into, um, so my partner at the time and I, we moved into a home uh, in Encinitas, California at the mm. time that had a ocean view. Like you could see the ocean from the kitchen counter. Um, and it like had been featured in magazines. It was like one of those homes. And, uh, at the time, I mean, rent's gone crazy. That was, you know, five years ago or something. Rent's gone crazy. But at the time, the rent on that was six grand a month. And I had never paid anywhere near that. I think the most that we had paid was $2,400 a month or something between the two of us. And so $6,000 a month was just insane. And I only had enough money to pay the first month and the security deposit. And so... I we I we moved into that and I had no idea how I was going to pay the second the next month's rent let alone furnish a three bedroom home. And yet and so most people would say that's a terrible decision. You are overstretching, you're putting yourself in a in very bad position, but we were so deeply rooted in our spiritual practices and beliefs that it felt 100% true in my body and 100% true in hers that this was our next step. It was important for us to be in a space of abundance, waking up in that. It was important for us to, that so many people live in spaces that physically are containing them and not allowing for their expansion, like a plant that's in a pot that's too small. And so we we moved in there and that began in 18 month initiation uh, where I was looking at, I mean, imagine moving into that space and people are coming over and going, oh my God, this place is so beautiful. And I'm like, I don't even know how I'm paying rent next month. The, the amount of fraud, like I'm a fraud, yeah. the insecurity, the I'm not worthy of this. Um, I, had a, I had credit card debt. So not only that, I had credit card debt. And so I was choosing to live in this home instead of paying off my credit card debt. Um, uh, which was tied to these medical, I'd been hit and run and all these things. So I'd put all this stuff on a credit card to do surgeries and things, but I was supposed to get a settlement. Like there's a lot going into it and all of it was a curriculum. And I had my podcast, The Deep Dive, and I did an episode with, with a woman named Marcy Locke, who's since become a really dear friend. And Marcy was the first person that I'd ever heard of being paid a million dollars for coaching. And that was kind of how she was known in, in that world. And I went, I need to interview this woman. So she came over to my house. We, I sat across from her and interviewed her. And I said to her, how do you even sit across from someone and tell them it's a million dollars to work with you? I can feel the part of me that feels uncomfortable even trying to present that. Like that feels crazy in my body. And so we had this full conversation is still up on the deep dive from many years ago, probably like five years ago, if anyone wants to go listen to it. Um, Marcy's M-A-R-C-I, Marcy Locke. And I, I said, it's so uncomfortable. And I got done with that conversation and she left. And I went, why? Why can't I own that? What is it that makes me so uncomfortable presenting an offer of a million dollars to, to a client. Why don't I feel worthy of that? And I, that was the awareness. That was the awareness of saying, I want to change that. I, I feel like I could very well be a million dollar coach. Where does that come from? How do I do that? And that initiated even more of my stuff that came up. But what I'll tell you is from when I moved in, 
to that home, not having the ability to pay my second month's rent yet. And that forced me to create group programs that forced me to take on new clients, raise my rates, all of these things. Within 14 months, I was paid a million dollars and became a millionaire at the age of 33. And so that happened within 14 months of transition. And that's, that's what I mean. The universe is going to give you what you're asking for, but are you willing to do the work? And do you have the support system in your life to be able to, to, to grow fast enough? Because I had a full-time coach, like I had a coach that I hired, but I also had a full-time coach in a partner who was also a life coach mm-hmm. who I lived with, who she was profound. She was incredible. She, she was very good at what she did. And I had her as a partner and we didn't coach each other unless we asked for it, but that was an agreement that we had. But I would say, hey, can you help me see what I'm not seeing here regularly? We did that for each other. And as a result, I went from credit card debt, not being able to pay second month's rent to millionaire in 14 months. But it was intentional and I had the support around me to actually do that. And if some, if you don't have that, those people in your life, life to do that, listening to the podcast is great. But if you can become a part of a group, a group program, or especially if you have the funds to hire a coach that can really dive into you and your uniqueness and has the the is a good fit, then um, I highly recommend it. I've spent well over $250,000 on my own coaches and consultants and things like that in, in my day for sure. That is huge, man. Thank you for literally throwing that out there and especially that number. Because sometimes when you know I see somebody like you or I see a Tony Robbins or a Preston Smiles or somebody like that, you think you just kind of always had to figure it out. You didn't do coach, like you're a coach, but you never had any coaching, right? But it's so crucial to let people know that you spent $250,000 around there in order to help yourself grow. Because I feel like a lot of times too, people think it's like a scam. They don't want to spend this money on, on, this, on this coach or this thing because what are they really going to do? Um, but to see it in somebody like you that is a really fantastic, really uh, successful coach that you also had coaching to get you to where you are. Um, just bringing that awareness to people, I think is huge. It's super important. When people tell me they want to start coaching, because um, I get a lot of early stage coaches or coaches who've been coaching at a certain level and want to go to that next level. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm not even, I wouldn't even, I don't even like being labeled as a coach to be honest with you. I'm so over the industry and it's not my primary thing that I'm focused on. You know, my art, my artistry, my expression, um, and also my creative consulting um, work that I do is far, far more. I work with um, very few clients at a time. I, I actually, to give you an idea of, of alignment, right? It, how crazy this might be for some people. I just turned down a a client that that literally said on the phone they wanted to work with me and this was going to be $10,000 a month and i they i i said no because i just didn't feel like it was the right alignment mm-hmm. there was something just off and i like i don't need to go into the details but there was something that just didn't sit quite right and i was like no no and this is really important for people to understand your no is simultaneously a yes, yes. to something else your yes is simultaneously a no to everything else. And so don't be afraid to say no on what's not in alignment because the thing that you would say yes to that isn't in alignment is going to take up energetic bandwidth and space in your life that 
would bring other opportunities that would be even more aligned for you, but you have to say no to the things that aren't there. And so that's really important that I want to get across. And then the other piece is when I have people who want to um, become coaches or take their coach to the next level, I ask them, you know, when's the last time you hired a coach? Who's your current coach? Have you ever hired a coach? Do you know how many people have started coaching businesses and saying they're coaches and have never hired a coach? It's, it, it's outrageous. That's the first thing that I would ask. If, you, if you're on a call with a coach and, and thinking about hiring them, ask them, who's their coach? When's the last coach that they hired? What's the last work that they've done on that? Because I think one of the fundamental, most important belief systems that a coach can have is that everyone can benefit from the right coach. And if you haven't yet hired your own coach and you're starting a coaching business, to me, you actually don't yet believe that. You haven't said, when I hired my first coach, it was $5,000. I didn't have it. I didn't have it. I said, can you take a credit card? I put $5,000 on my credit card with no idea how I was going to be able to pay that back. And I just believed that this would change my life. Mm -hmm. And that level of belief in the power of coaching as a whole and mentorship, we don't even have to call it coaching, of mentorship, the power of mentorship in your life. If you don't believe enough in it to invest in yourself and put it on a credit card, knowing it's going to pay itself back, I don't want you coaching me. Oh. And so that's, that's a huge thing for all of you listening to this. I imagine there's a number of you who are thinking about getting into coaching, but don't get into coaching just because you want money or you don't, there's like, don't have qualifications for other things, or you just like to help people actually believe in the power of coaching, experience the power of coaching, learn what works and doesn't work, develop your style as a coach, all of these things. And that'll happen when you hire someone to support you in that way. It's beautiful, man. And honestly, good for you and so much love for you to saying no to $10,000 a month. Because that could be something where it's like, oh, that money could be great. Let me go that way. But you felt the misalignment within yourself. And honestly, just so much love for you trusting your intuition, trusting who you are, trusting your alignment and not saying yes to something like that. Thank you, man. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. $10,000 a month will make a huge difference in my life. I'm not at, a, I'm not at the point where like that money wouldn't matter. That right. money would matter a lot in my life. Yeah. And um, it, but what I do believe, and this is important also for people, is you get to put your beliefs into practice because what you believe will shape your reality. And so if I believe that saying um, yes to something that's not fully aligned for the money do I want to live in a reality, a creative reality in which that is who I am? Mm. No, absolutely not. My fundamental belief is by saying no to things that aren't in alignment, the universe is going to give me more things that are. Yes. And so saying no to something that's that tempting, that tempting. It's like, ooh, this is really tough, man. This is really tough to say no to this. And they were adamant. They're like, yep, let's do it. I'm 100%. And it was super easy. It wasn't trying to convince someone. And then three days later, I was like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, good for you. So, but, that, but I trust something's going to come. I don't know what that is. Right. It hasn't come yet, 
And this was, I don't know, two a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. But I trust that something's going to come. And this is for everyone listening to this. Decide what your belief systems are, who you want to be, and then ask yourself in every moment, are you living in integrity with those belief systems? Because you can say all you want, don't do anything that's out of alignment for the money. That's that's not right. You could put that out on Instagram. You could, you know, say that's who you want to be. And then when you're faced with, can you say no to $10,000 a month, $100,000 a month, a million dollar contract if it's not aligned? Whew, that's the test. Damn. But that's that's what the universe needs to see. Because when yeah. the universe can trust who you be, the universe is going to give you more that's in alignment with that. Love that, man. I know we have to cut out in just a few minutes. Adam, really, really quickly, I just want to ask you the question I ask every single guest. So my goal in life, Spread Love Movement, who I am, is to help shift the consciousness of the planet to a place that's more loving and kind, compassionate, empathetic, vulnerable, forgiving, a consciousness that is more one. So how do you feel like, Adam, every single day you are helping contribute to this sort of a shift of consciousness? I believe that I am contributing by living my best life and loving life and learning how to, because I've battled depression, sexual abuse, PTSD in my life. And so learning how to love life really was a curriculum and a learning. And I think the most impactful thing that we can do for the world is learn how to love life. Mm. I believe that. And so if, if I can love life, and we didn't go into that on this podcast, but if I can love life after sexual abuse, being you know disciplined with belts by my father, by um, being cheated on, by uh, depression, all the things that I went through and get to a point where I love life, and I really do, I believe that it's possible for anyone. And that possibility gets to be a reference point for other people to know that that's possible and therefore give them the awareness that it's possible. And then that is their choice from that point forward. But my goal is just to give you the awareness that it is possible for you to change your life and love it along the way. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to invest in yourself, and if you are willing to actually, actually believe that it's possible. Mm. That was beautiful, man. And thank you for just being vulnerable in that moment too and just sharing a little bit. Next time uh, I have you on, whenever that may be, I would love to dive deeper into those things and just really help spread that message even more and help you connect more with people. Adam, real quick before we get out of here, please let people know where they can find you on social media, online, websites, people who want to join your tribe. Uh, please let just people know where they can find you so they can reach out to you if needed. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I got lots of online real estate. So real quickly, for if you've enjoyed any of this messaging um, or you want to dive into some of the other things that I hinted at, because there's a lot of content out there, um, you'll find me on uh, adamroa.com, A-D-A-M-R-O-A.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I am on YouTube. I am on Instagram, adam.roa. Uh, in my link tree, you'll get access. I have a text message community, which I love, where I send out little tidbits. I sent one out this morning, uh, journal prompts, poetry. Um, I have two podcasts, The Deep Dive with Adam Roa and You're Too Much with Adam and Taylor. And I co-host that one's a lot about sex and like really triggering conversations, which I love to dive into. Um, and I have a, a weekly newsletter that you can sign up for on my website where I send out three C's, consciousness, creativity, and community. So I share what's the biggest learning that I'm having currently. I share creativity, things like what book I'm reading or a show that I just watched that's amazing. And then community 
where I highlight what's going on within my community, the createcommunity.com or um, other people's community. Um, you know, I like to highlight other people as well. Amazing. And we're going to put a lot of that stuff in the, uh, in the caption below uh, for the episode. Adam, my man, I have so much love for you. Thank you for being here and just being open and sharing. This was super helpful for me uh, and I learned a lot and I know everyone listening, I'm sure it can take at least a little bit, some pieces of, of what you were able to talk about today. And if you have any inclination to reach out to Adam, if there's that little bit of a seed, check out his stuff, check him out online, go to his website, check out his social media, join his text messaging group, all of those beautiful things. Adam, thank you again, man. I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Justin. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I love you, man. Everybody, it's been amazing. We have so much love for you, and we will see you next time.